Welcome to Humanity Shines with Shelly Nagel. This podcast features people from all walks of life, their ups and downs, and what inspires them. Today, we have Danielle Longcrow joining us from Minneapolis, Minnesota. She is Lakota from Rosebud Sioux Tribe. She's a mother and Indigenous advocate. Hi, Danielle. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Thank you for joining us today. I wanted to start from the beginning, um, where you were born. And Um, yeah. Sure. Okay. Um, Well, I was born in a a small town in South Central South Dakota. Uh Um, Name is Winter, South Dakota. It's a a municipality. It is about an hour south of Pierce, South Dakota, which is the capital. Um, I am Lakota. I'm part of the Sinchangu Lakota Oyate mm-hmm. out of Rose. Um, winter is probably about an hour east of, of Rosebud. So um, I grew up there. Mm-hmm. Um, I lived there until I was six. My family's from both, both sides of my family are from there. So my mother's family is from Winter, and then my dad's family is from a town 18 miles away from Winter in, mm-hmm. um, called Ideal. And okay. um, so I have the majority of my family within like a 20-mile radius of each other. So it, it's it's awesome. It was a, a great place to grow up, really small town, really safe. Um, and uh, I grew up there until I was six, and then uh, my mom and my mom and my dad divorced when I was six. Mm-hmm. Um, we ended up, my mom got accepted to college at United Tribes Technical College in Bismarck, North Dakota, which is like a, um, it's an, it's a Native American college. And, uh-huh. um, so she got accepted there for a business program, mm-hmm. um, moved up there when I was six and, uh, we had, a, we had a really great life there actually. Um, we, they have, they have, um, campus living for, families so they have like single family homes and whatnot uh-huh. um so we we had our own house there um they also have on the college campus they had a child care center and a grade school so everybody got to go to school all in the same area all on the same campus um wow and yeah my mom completed her four-year degree there and um she met my stepfather while we were there Oh and, yeah, and he had uh, previously lived in Minnesota, I believe, as a teenager. Um, and his mother was here as well at the time in Minneapolis. So, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we moved here with him when I was nine, I want to say, and they married here when I was ten. Oh. Oh yeah, that was it. Was great. It was um, and we we moved. We lived primarily with his around his family when we uh-huh. we moved. Um, of course we didn't know we didn't know anybody else here um we yeah we, we lived with like his his he had two brothers that lived here as well so um and uh came right right got into school I first went to school at Northrop um and it, it was it's a different school there now it's not there anymore but um uh-huh. it was a, it was a, a culture shock definitely we were used to um, we came from a place that there was only really two races. Mm-hmm. So it was 
bit different for us coming here and um, seeing the many different uh, cultures and races here for sure. In Minneapolis? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Heard it through us, actually. To be honest, we weren't we weren't used to that, and um, because even in, even in, in Bismarck, where my mom was going to school, is primarily two races. Um, so we weren't very cultured, I guess. And so when we came here, um, it was it was, it was a shock. Yeah. And then yep. did you do you start at Seward Montessori School when you were in kindergarten? Yeah. No, we started there. I started there in third grade. It was Northrop at first, and then it okay. moved. Story. Um, so we kind of moved with the school to, to different locations. Um, went th- I actually went to school there until I was eighth grade. It's a great school, actually. They have really good um, programs. They teach children um, basically on college levels. Um, and th- there were some things there I didn't agree with. I know they tried different things. At one point, there was teaching children by, by um, levels. Uh-huh. And I, d- I didn't really agree with that because then I felt like people that were in certain programs were made to feel, you know, um, maybe not as smart as others. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, I mean, but a lot, for the most part, it was a great, it was a great experience. It was a really good school. I had great teachers there, people that made like big impacts on, on who I'd be when I got older. Um, yeah. Things that I would be interested in, um, definitely have a lot, a big interest in history. And a lot of that with one of my teachers that I believe passed away now. Her name is um, Patty Sandler. And um, used to read to us every morning from this book about um, Macedonia and Mesopotamia and like, you know, the the really old, um, because, you know, it was like the first civilization in Greece. Yeah. In the whole world, actually. It was like the first great civilization. So she used to read to us about like painters and um, it was, it was just something that I really find, found myself drawn to and paying attention to um mm-hmm. I remember painters names and whatnot from the book so she really made a big impression on me with the with the history that um she read to us every morning it was a great it was uh, the probably the best part of the day yeah yeah well you read a lot too so I do I do I, I yeah I know I've probably read over 200 250 books in my lifetime so far um giving me quite extensive vocabulary but at the same time as you get older you kind of tend to forget a lot of the stories so it'd be great to build that back up my library back up again yeah yeah no because I remember when I first met you I knew that you you love to read and that's one of the things that stood out to me about when I met you yeah oh yeah definitely um I, I have a bigger interest I guess in um some horror films. Stephen King was always one of my favorites. I remember I had like, do you remember R.L. Stein from way yeah, back in the uh-huh, day? Yeah. I had like a huge R.L. Stein collection. Um, I also, uh, there was another one, um, Anne Rice. I had yes, I loved her. Stephen King. Uh, I just had a lot of, of horror. And it, I'm not sure why I was always drawn to it, but it was, you know, probably the the spirituality, Native, Native American aspect of mm-hmm. um, because you know native people are are more spiritual and talk about spirits more than yes any other, any other um culture so it i was really drawn to to that aspect i guess young yeah and um, my family uh really really weren't into our culture and so i guess anything that i heard or was taught um mm-hmm. I, it kind of drew me to that cuz we if even if I wasn't taught more about the the um, 
cultural aspect, like um, mm-hmm. ceremonial aspect, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, there was things like, I remember my grandma used to say, you know, close the curtains at night. And um, there's always, you know, the big one of, of um, don't whistle at nighttime, you know, the things like that. Um, you know, just, just those kind of things kind of draw you to it as a child. Mm-hmm. Um, wonder about it so I, I'm guessing that that's probably where that came from mm-hmm. but I had I had um all the Anne Rice's and all the R.L. Steins uh, I did a lot of those um uh, what is that it, they just made the movie about it um scary things scary things um oh yeah I know what you're yeah scary not to read in the dark there you go I had that <laughs> book as well I, it wasn't really scary to me though that one um so I, I seen the movie too I don't know if you saw it it was Mm-mm. It was a bit of a letdown, to be honest. I, oh. I expected the, the one Harold, though. That one was great. That one was definitely scary. But um, so yeah, I then went on to South High School. But um, so then I went on to South High School, and uh, that's really where I got a culture shock because um, when I, when I went to, no, I don't want to say that. That's where, um, so when I was attending Seward, there was really only myself, my brother, and uh, maybe three other Native American children. Mm-hmm. I didn't grow up because um, I, I attended that from third grade, to eighth grade. So mm-hmm. and um, we didn't live in like any primarily Native American communities. Yeah. So when I went to South High is when I really met a lot of Native Americans. So um, it was it was great. It was a good experience, but I did kind of um, I don't know how to say it, how to explain it. Um, I, I got, I guess, um, caught up in uh, skipping and, and how, you know how, how it is when you're uh, high school. Oh, I do. So, so much freedom and so much fun. You know what I mean? Like, uh-huh. uh, um, So I ended up graduating uh, about half of a year late um, mm-hmm. and through a, a different school, a much smaller school. Um, Went right from that into uh, nursing assistant school. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got a certification in nursing assistant when I was 19. So um, I really started working young. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I don't want to, I'm not exactly sure. I, I want to say it's my parents. Um, they were always gone when we were growing up. I, and because they would work a lot when we were children. Mm-hmm. I remember our neighbor raised us half the time. Um, yeah we lived downstairs we lived upstairs and we were old enough at the time to watch over the younger ones and if there's issues you know she would feed us and whatnot but if there's issues come downstairs she would say and really we would just you know watch tv and whatnot so it wasn't a big deal but my parents were always gone so yeah I started working young and um I started off at in telemarketing first and then mm-hmm. so by I graduated high school and went into the nursing assistant program um I had already been I already had had a couple of jobs. Yeah. So um, I finished the nursing nursing assistant program. I then started working at Abbott Northwestern Hospital in a back surgery unit. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was a uh, that threw me there because I don't know if if you ever seen somebody that has had back surgery. Um, I, yeah. They they it, it ranges from having maybe an inch cut on your back. To, and I've seen someone have an incision from the top of their neck to the top, the the bottom of their back. Yeah. So these people, uh, when they come in, they're 
they can't move, they can't um, like even turn themselves in the bed. So it's a lot of really hardcore hands-on work with, and there it's almost like the body forgets how to ambulate, which is the fancy yeah. walk. Um, so we really had to like help them, their body learn how to even turn over again because mm-hmm. they were in so much pain they couldn't turn. So we'd have to help them turn, have to help them learn how to like control their body sitting up so that it's not hurting themselves. And then um, how to uh, walk. Walking was like the final step, but there was like steps like leading up to getting them back on their feet. And mm-hmm. um, then like the nursing strike happened in, I don't know if you remember that happened in like, I think 2000 and all the nurses went on strike. And so then I got thrown into like the float pool mm-hmm. and from there, they just kind of stick you anywhere, you know, um, yeah. regardless of experience, which is a bit scary for me because I remember one of my experiences and this is the main reason that I knew, this is how I knew that I didn't belong in the nursing field. Um, one of the patients that I was set to work, to sit by, uh, just basically just to observe him, um, uh-huh. basically a nurse came, grabbed me, set me down and said, you know, I need you to let me know how often his seizures happen, how long they last. And they give you like this checklist to go down yeah. and observe for um, their seizures. Mm-hmm. And person ended up having like grand mal seizures, like over and over and mm-hmm. over again. He ended up biting his tongue and like um, blood flew all over me. And, oh like, my gosh. He, he flatlined and then they brought in the crash cart and it was like a really uh it was a terrifying experience for a 19 year old yeah, yeah. yeah I, I was I remember walking home crying I was like walking home crying from from the hospital and they called me and they're like well where did you go <laughs> like came home like how do you um I couldn't keep working after that I was like uh yeah I guess I was traumatized I I, I want to say I was I was I just walked home crying. So I didn't think about going back. I didn't think about where do I go next? I just went home. So that, I mean, definitely if you run to your mother, yeah, you're traumatized. So, you, um, and you were done. Like you never went back after that I day, go back, but it was for a very short time. Um, okay. I remember my, my brother, my brother was very young when he had his first child. Mm-hmm. And I remember, like, um, I just decided that helping my, my mother help him raise his child, me and my mother, like, uh, he was very young. I want to say 15 when mm-hmm. he had his, so we, I kind of just put that above everything else and yeah. decided to quit working. And um, it wasn't long after that when Hillary um, messaged me about the assistant teaching position at MIWRC. Oh. Yeah. And so the great thing about um, nursing credits is that they transfer a lot, which I didn't know, but they mm-hmm. transfer a lot with um, childcare or mm-hmm. childcare, childcare education or teaching. Um, the credits, a lot of the trans, uh, credits transfer. So um, I had the education I needed to become a teaching assistant. So I started working there. Um, uh-huh. And I, I believe I started in baby room. Which was great. You remember the baby room there? I do. Oh, yeah. Like the most cute, adorable little chubby things in, in the world. Just it was just the best, best. Yeah. Time and it was such a calm room too. Yeah, just the vibe. Good. 
where like music Liz would play. Would be, yeah. Like, oh yeah. Walking and it was like flute music or like Northern yeah. Creek. It was just like the best environment for a baby to be in. And it was oh. almost so, like clean and organized and yes. Yeah, it was just like a great. I mean, I worked there in that room, I believe, for four years, and it was it was a great experience. Me, her, and Leah, just the most unbeatable team with those babies. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I, you guys are amazing. Yeah. I, I, the whole school, <laughs> the whole environment. I know. I, I wonder how many children went through there. To be honest, because I remember like numerous children, <sighs> like, just numerous ones, and you'd get so sad when they would move on up and leave. Um, and Liz was always just so organized with her schedule and what she um, what she had. Her, like immediately when I got there, I just knew like it was just a great place to work because of how how talented she is with children, how great of a teacher she was. She was always really artistic and coming up with like the greatest exercises, the greatest um, plans. It was yeah, it was just, yeah, and then um. Leah as well. She always had like a really great touch with the kids. So Leah, oh yeah, and she's so fun. Leah and Liz. Hillary, of course, with, with the preschoolers. She's still actually doing that to this day, right now. Oh, that's so cool. I love Leah. She's awesome. Yeah, I haven't seen her in a while either. But um, it was just a really great team of um teachers there. I mean, I really feel like we had a really like dynamic team, like unbeatable. You know what I mean? Like those kids had the best teachers in the world there. Danielle, can you t- tell to the listeners that it was um, the school was like native influenced as well, just in terms and how the teaching was and okay, so it was a culturally how it was how we this is how we were taught to say it as well culturally based um, Native American child care center and mm-hmm. it was located in the Minnesota Indian Women's Resource Center. Um, it's no longer there, unfortunately, but it was there for. Um, I'm not sure exactly when it opened. I just, I know it closed in maybe 2000, I want to say 13. Yeah. Something like that. I think. Do you remember when um, TPT came there and did the special on the Minnesota Indian Women's Resource Center and what they, they did like a huge focus on the childcare center because of how great the the childcare was. Um, and I remember they went, they sat there with us through the whole schedule, the whole morning schedule and the nap time. And I remember I had like people for years telling me, I seen you on TPT. Like, <laughs> <laughs> every time I would go home to South Dakota, I seen you on TPT. <laughs> for years, I heard people saying that they saw me on TPT and I would, I would forget about it. And then I would get like embarrassed all over again. Um, I, I completely forgot about it. And like five years later, somebody would say, I saw you on TPT. <laughs> but I mean man those are the those are the days though I remember just some something about like the music just Mm -hmm. put you like a whole different teaching mode for some reason like all the yeah all the and that's really where and it's sad to say this but that's really where I learned the difference in Powell music I never knew the difference before that I never listened to it Mm -hmm. um and that and that's where I you know when I, when growing up, my family was, um, more on the educated side, more on the, the professional side. Mm-hmm. Um, and they grew up in the boarding school era, of course. So yeah. they teach us about our culture or, um, I didn't go to powwows or anything until I actually started, until I started working there, to be honest. Um, 
I didn't no, know that. Oh, I didn't go to Powell's. I didn't. Uh, I didn't know any of the music. I didn't know anything about any of the like. I had heard from other people, like hearing other people talk about like things like sweat and ceremony, but mm-hmm. I'd never one before. Um, so it wasn't until I was in my twenties, I want to say, that I started learning about my culture, which is really sad because I missed out on so much. Um, and I and I I can see I can say that now that I'm really more involved, but at mm-hmm. the time it was like really new to me. So that's when I started learning the difference between like the different styles of mu- music and the different kinds of music that's used for different styles of dancing. Mm-hmm. And it was just a, it was a really great. Um, it it was a really it it brought that into my life. So for that, I I will always be grateful for for um the way that that center was. You know it I was mean? my like, favorite school to sub at. Yeah, like hands down. I loved all the teachers. I loved the energy. I loved the kids. I loved how the teachers interacted with the kids. It was such a calm, beautiful, enriching environment. You know, I, specifically people um, just stay, when they would come, they wouldn't. They they would stay. You know what I mean? Like uh-huh. just stay, and they would bring like every child would go through there, the whole family, and. It's really just too bad that it closed. Um, mm-hmm. I think they used the space for, um, I think, a, a treatment center. And I'm not sure exactly why why it closed down, but I know that the community took a huge loss. The community took a huge loss when that place closed down. Yeah. And I, wanted, maybe, and I know it wasn't, a large part of that is, is um, maybe having the community know more more about that that it was there because I remember a lot of times people didn't even know it was there you know what I mean and it was like such a yeah a great place it should there should it should have been more well known there should have been more exposure and whatnot um but yeah it's it's a great it's a great loss and definitely a, a big part of my life that I I miss out I really miss those times it was yeah it was great a hidden gem I think too yeah. maybe they lost some type of funding you know because it was like a nonprofit. It was, um, I think a lot in large part, it had to do with the, you know how like it, there was um, different price rate, price ranges for the overhead costs for children mm. of certain, certain ages. So okay. ages cost more money to care for. And those is um, who we would get paid more money for. And that's those are the smaller class or sizes, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Yeah, I, th- I guess about overhead and and being able to cover that so um just too bad though because that that baby room was just not only a great space um but just the best teacher in the world too in there and yeah they definitely should have expanded that space and and I think that should have been like their biggest program to be honest because they had like the best teams there and yes um, it was it was a great great spot Oh yeah, but um, from there I went on to working at Teachers on Call for a while, substitute teaching, mm-hmm. and I like, really thought I would go back into teaching. So every place, every school I went to, I would, uh, I had like this little brown folder, and I always thought, okay, when I get my classroom back, I'm gonna take all these great ideas that I had uh-huh. that I observed at all these different schools. So like I would go into you know one place in like Eden Prairie had this great calendar program that they would do every morning. They would, you know, they had this huge calendar on the wall. They would sit down, they would, their little stickers on it. 
Um, I just thought that was, you know, a, a really um, important part of the day. And I thought I, I could incorporate that into my own classroom. So then I would go to another school and then I would see something that they did very well. Yeah. So I this little folder of like all these great oh, ideas. Oh, that's so cool. That's a good idea. That I would, I would um, pull that envelope out and, and like incorporate all these ideas into my own classroom again. And then that just unfortunately never happened. I never, yeah. I never went back into teaching. Not to say that I don't love children anymore. It just, um, I, I, I got burnt out on it. Mm-hmm. It's a hard profession. It's a lot of energy and it's not a lot of money and it's a lot of work. <laughs> it is a lot of work. And I'm, yeah. I'm glad that a lot of, um, that the, the students that we worked with got the best part of me. You know what I mean? Like, they got yeah, right. Where you weren't burnt out teaching and stuff. Yeah, part of me that could still run and play and push them on tricycles and push them, you know, in the swings and whatnot. They got like, <laughs> best teachers ever because they got us when we were young now I cannot keep up the way I the way I used to definitely I hear that mm-hmm. um so then from there on like I said teachers on called everyone back into teaching um mm-hmm. yeah, I did I did some PCA work after that okay. um and a, a few different places I remember like one of them was uh, mental health PCA agency mm-hmm. that um, I didn't really want to invest my, myself into that too much just because I felt like I was like, so inexperienced with that, with that area. Mm-hmm. I didn't, um, I felt like I, I didn't want to fail people. So I didn't want to try to enlist, I mean, without the proper education, I didn't want to try mm-hmm. to invest my time into something that I I thought that I would fail at um and I, it's failing other people I wasn't worried about failing myself or, or judging myself I just right. don't want to fail the patients you know the clients and whatnot so that didn't last long um mm-hmm. basically because it, it to be honest it was such a broad area that it kind of scared me you know what I mean like yeah and, and oh yeah like, the effects that you can have are like so long lasting mm-hmm. that I just really felt like if I can't give them the best that they deserve, I don't deserve to be there. So that did not last long at all. I just mm-hmm. knew instantly, like I knew right away. It's, I only had like two clients by the time um, when I left because I just, one was a child and one was an adult, an older woman. And I just knew that I would fail at it. So I stopped. So I'm like, man, there's so much education that goes into that. And like, mm-hmm. so much, and if you think about it with psychology, there's not just, one broad class you can take you know there would be their specifics and specialties and all right have to take in order to be um you know in order for it for me to be worthy of taking care of these people and i i wasn't able to to give that and so for that reason alone i did not go further with um, the mental health aspect just because Mm -hmm. i didn't feel at it (laughs) um so I went into like more of the physical part, like the nursing assistant part of, mm-hmm. of and um, that's how I found my way to Circle of Life Home Care, where um, I worked for the next few years. Um, I started off as a PCA agent, a PCA um, for their agency, mm-hmm. I want to say in 2014 or 14. So I know I worked as a PCA for like a good year before. I moved into um, the office 
part, the officer part. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, and it was the best I spare. I had a, a lot of different clients, but there's, you know, there's always more that people that stick out to you more people that you are more attached to. Yeah. I definitely, um, and it was a, a native American based, uh, native owned and operated company. That's awesome. The majority, the majority of their clients were native American or are, I should say, uh-huh. still, you know, so I got to work with a lot of different Native families. And of course, I had my favorites. I'm not going to say who exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but um, it was that it was just a great experience overall, because I've always enjoyed working in the community, but I really love working with Native people. Um, yes. So. Just know that Native people always have so much more that they have to go up against. Yeah. With trauma and, and there's like absolutely so, and we can go on the lot down the line of all the things that that natives face and go up against mm-hmm. and um but for that reason I always feel like with my people my interpersonal skills working with people that I've just felt more comfortable working mm-hmm. I just felt like working with native people was, was just a field that could make myself and and people happy so um I worked with a few families and then I was told that there was, I got hurt actually. Um, I remember I was helping someone lift a bed, something I wasn't supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And I got kind of laid off for a little bit. Um, I couldn't work my shoulder. I hurt my shoulder. Oh. It was actually, actually it was kind of like karma um, because then they, they had an opening for um, a receptionist in their Metro office oh. and a lady had gotten hired and mm-hmm. She, she beat me <laughs> and it, oh, yeah. it's yeah she got hired um because we both we both um had interviews uh-huh. but she must have she must have did something right because she got the job and I remember being like kind of upset about it but then yeah. thinking oh, well I'll just fill up and go back to work as a PCA I wasn't really too bummed about it yeah but um so that what that my interview was like a Wednesday I believe mm-hmm. and she job we were supposed to start was Monday um come Tuesday morning I get a phone call and they offered me the job she never showed up oh okay oh fine lady so I anyways I ended up um getting her job and and I'm I'm grateful for that now I I don't know where the heck she's at but thank you lady um so I started working as a receptionist there and for a really nice a really nice um young lady was the office coordinator at the time um, they had a nurse there mm-hmm. who just, I don't, I don't know if you ever had, um, <laughs> I almost feel kind of guilty saying this because I know that people might know who, who I'm talking about, but if you ever met one of the people that like, doesn't like anybody, you, you know, those kind I of have. People, yeah, like I, just, I, just not, I don't want to say like, um, not not in a negative way, but she had her preferences. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So <laughs> it was just crazy because she liked me. And it's like it was amazing because she does she really didn't care for anybody, but me and her got along great. And well you're then, hard um, not to like. So I'll give yeah, you know, yeah, I'll give her that. Like, yeah, like I have a big head about it. But I mean I know I can get along with people. You know, there's it's just yeah. it's just one of my gifts. So um we just had a great team and I worked there for about a year and uh-huh. um unfortunately one of my coworkers got sick and um she had to take a break and mm-hmm. so they got a job in the corporate office so I moved on up to the corporate office and 
when I seen what this woman was doing, I was amazed. Like it, it's literally a job. Um, so the, the corporate office manages every office and there was 23 of them all together, but seven in Minnesota alone. So wow. the, the PCA coordinator, which is a job I took over, the job was to basically put, um, it's, it's a lot of HR stuff, putting people in the background study with the you know, Department of Human Services and then um, rolling them in insurance agencies and making sure that they get paid. And um, at any given moment, I was working with upwards of like 350 to 400 people. Ooh. And that that fluctuated and changed. And it was such like a high paced um, job that uh-huh. I was bored and I actually really loved it. I mean, it was just like a constantly moving thing, just a well-oiled machine for lack of yeah. a better word. Yeah. But yeah, it was just constantly moving and it was, it was an area where I really thrived. And um, I loved my job at that time too. It was great. Um, great people worked there. It was a, a really strong team. Um, everybody had their, their um, talents, you know, and everybody, everybody always came with like, you could just see very strong suits in everybody, you know, mm-hmm. in, but he had their I was amazed by all these like really strong women and everything that they brought to the table like everyone had their very specific thing that they were great at you know and it was like it all fit together so perfectly that's so that cool it was crazy it was like how we worked at the women's resource center it was just yeah it happened to be like the best team possible at the at the best time and so um I love and then the owner there her name was Pat uh, Patricia Yeager Pat um was every <laughs> Who's our mentor and she would do these awesome like um once a month mentoring groups where she would um we'd have lunch and then um and she really spoiled us too we'd have lunch and like she would go she would have like a theme for the day where like I remember the last one she did with us was um stay in your lane and that was about oh um, you know, <laughs> it sounds insulting but it wasn't no no no, no. it's good though actually because I I feel like our society, we're always like in each other's business and like, who's doing this? And, you know, and it's like, stay in your lane, like make your own stuff happen, support your team. You're good. Exactly. exactly. She meant it in like the best way possible. No, I, I, I no, totally. I remember there, <laughs> there was a situation that had happened at work that week where it just kind of felt like um, it just, it was perfect. It was, it was needed at the time. So, um, but yeah, so th- there was, um, it was a family owned company. Um, the owner and her sister ran it so well for so many years. Um, so cool. And, and this woman and her sister, she came off as so hardcore. She was such a softie, though. Like, yeah. I don't know if you ever those kind of people where, like, they just seem really, like, br- brusque and, and gruff. And then you talk to them and then, or you see them interact with someone. And it's yeah. like, oh, such a softie. Her sister is like, she came off like that, but she was such a softie. Aww. And so people who would like bend over backwards for the community that, that and so they served the metro office served like the whole minneapolis area and i mean like the surrounding communities too so i mean like brooklyn center um edina richfield like so one office would and st paul as well so mm-hmm. that office served like the whole metro area and um it was so many clients and so many people and so we would have like once a year they would have um like a, a, a client appreciation day mm-hmm. all within May because it was like right when it, I remember it was always right before it got the most hot so the la- the last one maybe like the end of 
May is usually when it would be. And they would spend, she would spend like a lot of money um, to get these people um, great gifts. And I mean, like we would, we would stock up all year long on things like she would, you know, buy from local vendors for um, their jewelry and whatnot. And then she would um, send us to the store and we would get like these packs of, um, of, of cleaning supplies. And like, uh, I remember there was fans and like um, all these different gifts, great gifts and, and balloons. And like, we catered the food and it was such a great experience. We would do bingo and like, and we always, we would do bingo to make sure that every client won. And <laughs> we would, we would not stop until every client got something, literally. We would like make things up. And if we couldn't find a way for them to win, we would just walk over and hand them a gift. That's so, so sweet. It was the best day ever where it was just um, people in the community would come and volunteer. Like, uh, I remember there's this group out there right now, I think non-Native Natives Against Heroin. And one of the, the guy, you know, he has a twin brother. Um, he, he would come up and just help. Um, different people in the community just wanted to be involved. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I know it's because so many people's lives were touched by that company that like everybody just wanted to help. You know what I mean? So yeah, come with their entire families. Like they would have grandmothers and um, with their grandchildren and, or like uh, a foster mom with all her children coming and like everybody yeah. had like all these great matching shirts. Like we got specials with like staff written on the back and, um, and really spoiled us as well. I remember like, no matter what, we were so spoiled that every like um, meeting we would have, we would <laughs> we would just have to order lunch, and it was like always oh, something so so awesome. Like, and we would we wouldn't even we wouldn't even give our boss his name was Bob. We wouldn't even give him a, a chance. We'd be like, so Bob, what are we what are we eating this time? Like, we didn't even, <laughs> <laughs> he didn't even get a chance to offer us lunch. We would just be like, so what are we ordering? <laughs> That's so nice. Oh, it was a really a, a really great company to work for, and I was. I was really happy there. Um, we hired someone. Um, this there was this really awesome guy from Chicago. I remember they hired him as a CEO, and he came and he he kind of um, he was really he wasn't. I would I don't want to say he was um, like strict or anything like that. He did bring he did bring a different air with him. I want to mm-hmm. say he mm-hmm. changed a little bit in the sense of where everybody got a um, a lot more. Everybody just, you know, like, I want to say tightened it up. I always say that to the kids, tighten your stuff up. You know what I mean? And that that's what he brought with him is like, and he didn't even ask it. You just kind of did it yourself when you, you know, when you get around. Because I like energy commanded it. Yeah, yes, he was such a, he was such yeah. a professional. Like it kind of made everybody else like tighten it up real quick. <laughs> um, and I remember like he was such, um, geez, I was such like a sharp dresser too. Like he just. Yeah, everybody, like, we all stepped our game up after he started. And um, anyway, so one day after I had been working in corporate for three years, um, he comes to me and he says that they needed someone in the, the metro office. And, oh, I did not want to leave my corporate job. So I said, no, I didn't want to do it. Uh-huh. And um, so he said, okay. So then, like a week, two weeks go by. And he comes back and he comes back with like a better job offer. Oh no, uh-huh. better time change and a, a bonus um, and a raise if I would take it. And then he was like, well, you know, with people 
if, if someone's losing, they send their general in. And I didn't realize at that point um, that they really saw my people skills as that, that much of an, an asset until he said that. And then so yeah. I felt like, I'm proud of myself, but in a way, like, um, I still didn't want to leave my job, but I took it because he promised a better, yeah. a better change and he promised um, more money when I came back. So he said a year. He said just a year there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then unfortunately um six or so months into that year our the owner passed away and this is something that was like so sudden and she was so like loved by our company that it was Mm -hmm. like the saddest day ever at that company I swear and I just we just knew it like our bosses went into a room together and came back out and they were just like completely different people like you could just see it Mm. we all knew we were like oh my god something happened Mm. He passed away um suddenly and oh, it was no. very I don't I think when I, I want to say professionally it was probably like the hardest day I've ever had to be at a job because yeah. so many people were heartbroken it was just like hard to work I remember like trying not to cry while I was making my phone calls and I had to make them to keep the company going so I was like on insurance come on you know on phone with insurance companies like crying my eyes out and stuff oh. it, was, it was a very hard time for all of us but um yeah. And but for that reason, um, things my viewpoint did change because then after she left her her company to a board of directors, and um, things changed so much after mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. And it, not not, I, I mean, it made it to a point it made it a bit uncomfortable for me mm-hmm. because what I did, I I did for her. You know what I mean? And so right. to, for that for that to be. It, the whole dynamic changed as far as what I, my purpose there, my, the mm-hmm. whole dynamic. Mm-hmm. And I lost interest in it. And um, I lost it. And then at that same year I had lost um, my dad mm-hmm. and my, so it was just all kind of like. Your dad and who? Sorry, I lost. My sister-in-law. Um, Your sister-in-law. Okay. Yeah, yep. And then um, uh, it was, it was a very, a very hard year. So. Mm-hmm. I kind of just, just I, I quit working there and mm-hmm. um, kind of took like a just a sabbatical for a while and that kind of extended a bit until I felt more comfortable coming back out of my shell which took I want to say four years I want to say that I didn't really work or mm-hmm. um, and then when I did start working it wasn't really in this, the field I was used to working in anymore mm-hmm. I was then I was in um at Mystic Lake. Okay. Which is a great company company to work for as well. Um uh-huh. I really enjoy um in meeting people and the interactions that I had there. Um however, I didn't feel comfortable with the line of work I was in. Um mm-hmm. I call myself the devil's instrument because I felt like you my people person skills were being abused because I could draw these people in and have good conversations with them uh-huh. and then have to sit there and watch them lose a lot of money and um <laughs> yeah and so for for the most part it, as much as I, it was a great place to work and everything it wasn't great for me right I was I was very unhappy there um I was happy with people but unhappy watching them lo- lose uh, uh lose a lot of money so mm-hmm. and there's there's just no way around that and that type of work you know that kind of industry 
yeah. so I was leaving him there. Um, and then I took like a, a year break due to some health concerns. I had some um, some um, drug abuse issues going on at the time. Uh-huh. I fully believe affected my health in a way that, because now that I'm sober, I don't really seem to need the medicines that I had before. Uh-huh. And I want to that had a lot to do with it. So um, I ended up starting to use drugs um, the year that I, it was the year previous to me working, which is why I think my sabbatical took a little bit longer than I expected it to. Mm-hmm. And the only part about that is that I seem to be gaining in life. Like um, I had gotten the great job and I had mm-hmm. a fiance and we had a beautiful home, but um, we, we both started using drugs and mm-hmm. that our, our lives just completely flipped around and we, it took a nosedive where as the yeah. drugs kind of separated us in a way that he, he, we were never together anymore. Um, he was always gone and I was, at home and um it was really hard um yeah. it was a very hard time in my life just there's a lot of different differences in there's a lot of differences in who I was and my viewpoint on drugs than who I was used to being yeah so and and the the thing that I noticed with people that use drugs that aren't used to it because I wasn't used to it I had drank um I had you know did I drink in the, for a large portion of my life, um, but I was still like a functioning alcoholic. I want to say I was still able to work every day. I didn't mm-hmm. drink um, previous to losing my father, my boss, and my sister-in-law in a year. Um, but I did start drinking heavily after that. Um, yeah. But there was there was a huge the way I saw myself took a nosedive. Um, so all this great interactions and great everything I completely forgot about it like I forgot who I was you know what yeah. I mean like yeah all of you know just disappeared in a drug haze and and I mean I I, I think I tried pretty much everything except for like the really really hardcore drugs yeah and, um, you kind of feel I I want to say traumatized like your your mind gets traumatized from the drug use and mm-hmm. so like fragmented and yeah, like I felt like lost and like not myself it was it was a, it was a completely different life than I was used to. Um, mm-hmm. So being in control of my life, and I was used to like it was happy. It was extremely happy, and like yeah, you're a very spirited, happy person. Yeah, and then to go to that to being like scared and lost and like by myself, it was just yeah, it was really because my daughter had grown up by then, so she was like out of the yeah. home. You know? mm-hmm. She did live with me at the time, but she was working all the time, so me like I, I was in my bedroom by myself like doing drugs a lot and um uh-huh. my fiance was out of the house um he was you know here here there and everywhere so um I was really spending a lot of time by myself and it when you're on drugs and by yourself like yeah. your thoughts was, like not good places so I ended up like losing myself at that time mm-hmm. like mentally you felt different and well, very different mm-hmm. um I was, like weird experience dreams um uh-huh. and I remember like I went I remember I wanted to quit doing drugs and a, the thing I noticed is that I was separating and this I noticed I, like I was trying to say earlier is that you, you notice when people are using drugs because they'll disappear like, uh-huh. 
completely disappear. Like I stopped visiting my family. I stopped, you know, talking to my friends. It was just all about like me and my fiance and our drug usage. And mm-hmm. so I, um, I wasn't present with my family or I wasn't present with anybody, anybody. Um, I was kind of just hiding away and like nosediving. And so um, after I left Mystic Lake a few months later, uh, May it was May 18th of 2021, mm-hmm. I, I sobered up. And um, it took a lot. That's my grandma's birthday, by the way. So oh. kind of feel like in that way, it's more of a special day for me. And we're going to celebrate it. It's my two-year anniversary coming up. Of, of Heck me. yeah. But um, it was just, a, it's almost to the point where like, it's such a different life. It's like a lifetime away right now. Mm-hmm. I, it's hard to think back about it. Like I kind of don't even want to like sink back into those levels of thinking like of where I was or what, or how I was thinking at the time. Yeah. You're not yourself. And like these drugs may take you to like all these different places in your mind that like, I don't think you ever intend to find or you know, and so yeah. it's hard. It's not hard for me to talk about being on drugs, but it's hard for me to talk about where, what I was thinking about while I was doing them. And you know feeling I mean? and how you're processing the world. Processing is the perfect word, actually. Yeah, it's it, it was the pro- processing aspect. Yeah. Like, that's what I was really not in a good place with um, how I viewed myself and the world. And yeah. I went from being like this really like a strong you know really strong person mm-hmm. to being like recluse. and it was such a different such a huge change for me like um I was like hiding away like just I want to say like disintegrating you know what I mean like mentally disintegrating yeah myself you know doing it to myself so um my fiance ended up going away for a long time and um I sobered up and it's kind of been a journey in that sense where I um I always the way I describe it is crawling out of a hole like it really was a, it's a dark time in people's lives like mm-hmm. I people all the time now that are like so into drugs I mean everywhere you hear people talking about it you know fentanyl mm-hmm. and oh all, yeah um and I heard that they even, you know, it's everywhere, like even in marijuana use. Yeah, and- it's pe- people are dying left and right, not knowing that they took it. And yeah. Yeah. So and you see all these people and and you just know that they're like not in the right state of mind. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like it's almost a debilitating thing. You know what I mean? It, yeah. I, I never judge anybody ever. I'm not in a place because coming out of that kind of a place is. Yeah. Is, I mean, one of the main reasons that I did is because I remember my niece saying, like, I want to be just like you when I grow up. And Mm -hmm. from that to being looked at as, like, a drug addict, like a junkie, you know what I mean? And just the disappointment on their those kids' faces, like my nieces and nephews, was just way, like, everybody knows on drugs. There was no way I could hide that, you know? And yeah, my daughter and my, my nieces was like it was the worst for me and that kind of really keeps me going now where I don't want to ever go back to that person like I'm terrified of being that person yeah yeah and you've also been like a mother figure for a lot of your nephews and nieces 
have. And so mm-hmm. going back to person is like failing to me. You know what I mean? And yeah. all my life is kind of always won. So to go back to that is like failing and I don't want to fail. So that it to me is like the worst, worst possible thing is, is failing my family, failing the people that love me the most that were like looking up to me and holding me in like such high esteem, which I guess I, I didn't, I didn't really appreciate that about myself until I could see it from their point of view and then not wanting to hurt them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully people can use as like, I want to say like inspiration, like always think about like, look at the kids, you know what I mean? That's, that's who I didn't want to disappoint. And that's who really keep me out of that hole. Yeah. And you did it and you're clean and you're sober and you're thriving. It's really boring to be honest. Um, <laughs> I and to, I want to say that like I was, I mean, I, when you're on drugs, you really just think you're just like the most fun happening person. Like you're just having this great yeah. time. There's all these people around who, of course, you know, just benefit off your drug usage because right. you know, it, I almost thought people just, they kind of carry each other through it because it's always fun not to go down by yourself or maybe to right. feel like you're in great company or you're, you're in it, it almost seems like it's just easier to accept about yourself if, if it's around you so mm-hmm. I just I'd rather be boring than than feel like I'm really popular you know what I mean with right ladies. you're and right like we're the right party now. but you're not boring so <laughs> well no but just to let life- you know <laughs> Yes. Thank you. Thank you. But my life at home now is it's work or at home. You know what I mean? And I yeah. spend a lot of time on the couch and most of it's on my phone and I'm just fine with that. Yeah. I feel no go out. I mean, believe me, we all had them clubbing days, going out days. Oh my and gosh. Like, you know, like feeling like you're just in the, in the, in the middle of all of it. And, um, and that's great and all, but I feel like I'm just way beyond that in my thinking now. And yeah, no, and that's, never it doesn't seem attractive to me anymore it's not like yeah attractive yeah anymore. no I, I I have like two drinks now and I'm like I, I, I it takes me three or four days to recover so I I don't even like <laughs> go out I'm like I can't even go to work then I'm like I had two drinks yeah you know? like back in the day when I'm like partying <laughs> and I'm like this isn't fun like I don't feel good the next day I want to go to my yoga class or like go for a run in the morning and I can't do that now <laughs> <laughs> well, not only that, but like also when you look around, the last time I went to, I think a club, club was like, I want to say in my late 20s. Yeah. And you look like such children there. I mean, everybody looks so young. Um, yeah. yeah. I felt really old, to be honest. And I felt way too old to be in that kind of environment. So, yeah. I think age and maturity has a lot to do with that as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah um we're definitely planning something for May 18th coming up my daughter wants to have like um like a get together which I don't drink or smoke or do anything like that so I don't know exactly what <laughs> we can, cupcakes we can eat. I mean, pizza cheeseburgers I was thinking more like ribs than oh like yeah that steak. sounds good so um in trying to find my way back to sobriety I mm-hmm. ended up meeting this um older gentleman from the um what is that shine river area and uh-huh. um he did he did a lot of ceremonies and sweats here in minnesota and so um he directed me 
to where he usually sweat here in, in um, Minnesota. And I ended up going and just really fell in love with the ceremony. And um, wow. I've been going since. I still go. Uh, I try to go weekly. That doesn't mm-hmm. always work. Um, but I, I definitely have like a, a very strong community that that I rely on heavily for like sober activities now. And not only just for that, but just because I really like the different ceremonies and I, yeah, I really wasn't aware of how many different ones there are. And I, I don't just attend like my people's ceremonies. I attend uh, Ojibwe ceremonies as well. And yeah, so it, a lot of similarities and a lot of differences in, in the way that we approach spirituality, mm-hmm. but I want to say part, it's, it's a lot the same. So um, it's it's definitely a great community because a lot of it has to do with celebrating sobriety. So that's incredible. Say, yeah, for anybody that that wants to get sober, I guess I the only way you can I can say it is to just go back to your roots. You know what I mean? It, it's yeah. For it, it's the best part of getting sober. Um, besides, you know, being happy and having my family be happy. Yeah. is is finding my way back to like my culture. So. Yes. Oh, Danielle, thank you so much for sharing and being vulnerable and sharing about your culture. And if anyone wants to connect with you after the episode, I put your email in the show notes. Okay. Yay. Thank you. Well, thank you for having me. Of so, course. So.